the more you rely on God and love, the more glory he gets out of your life and the more he wants to do through you. Eat your vegetables. Welcome to Brothers of the Word, because brothers and sisters, you need the Word. So we're going to jump right into the Word, because I remember asking a group of kids one time, I was leading them to the main sanctuary for church service, and I said, you know, does everybody remember why we need to be quiet during church service? And one little girl said, yes, because people are sleeping. So I don't want to waste any time or risk anyone falling asleep, so we're going to jump right in. The scripture today is actually a very short yet familiar verse that we uh, probably have heard a million times. It's coming from 1 Corinthians, the 13th chapter and the 11th verse. It's 1 Corinthians 13 and 11. Now, this verse used to be weird to me. I felt like growing up that it was kind of out of place because it is located in what we consider the wedding chapter, the love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13, and it actually contradicted something that that Jesus had previously said in Matthew. So when I was a child, it kind of threw me for a loop. But it says, 1 Corinthians 13 and 11 says, When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. So I want to use a subject today, eat your vegetables. Okay, eat your vegetables. So the chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians, it tells us that you can do praise and worship. You can feed the hungry. You can prophesy. You can speak in tongues. You can usher. You can be a musician. You can have an amazing job and family. You can stay out of trouble. You can be really smart. You can do everything. But if you don't have love, everything you're doing is in vain. Praying to God is in vain if you don't have love. And then it describes for us what love is. Now, we say that to people, oh, I love you. We love to say, I love you, until we read this chapter. Because this chapter describes an unconditional kind of love. It says love is patient. It's kind. It's not envious. It's not boastful. It's not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. And here's where it begins to lose most of us, if it hasn't already. It says love is not easily angered. Now, that just threw most of us if we have a child, parent, spouse, friend, job, dog. And then it goes on to say that love keeps no record of wrong. Now, that just took the rest of us out because most of us are still holding on to hurt from 40 years ago. It says love does not delight in evil, but it rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always preserves. Love never fails. Now, if you say I do have that kind of unconditional love, I have unconditional love for my family. Well, that's a problem within itself because you just set the condition. The condition is they must first be your family.
family. Love extends beyond that. It extends to the person that you never want to see again. This love extends to your enemy, to the one that hurts you, to the one that uses you. This love is not predicated on a biological relationship. That's why Luke 6 says, if you love those who love you, so what? Even non-believers love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Because non-believers do that. If you lend to those from who you expect repayment, even the world does that. But here's what sets us apart. We are instructed to love our enemies. We're instructed to do good to our enemies, lend to them without expecting anything in return. It says, then your reward will be great. You know why? Because then you will be children of the most high because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. So getting back to first Corinthians, it goes on to say, everything is going to stop prophecies, knowledge, speaking in tongues. Everything's going to stop except love. And then out of the blue, Paul says, when I was a child, I spoke, thought, understood as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. It kind of reminded me of little Johnny. And those of you who know me know that I like little Johnny. I do have a story about Johnny. You probably have heard it before, but I'm going to tell you again. When Johnny was four, his mom would send him to his room to clean his room. Johnny would go in there. He would pick up one toy, put it in the box. But by the time he got to the second toy, he would start playing with it. He kind of got distracted. And his mom kept getting frustrated. So she said, you know, maybe I need that parenting prayer conference they've been talking about. So she goes down to the conference and they teach her a new technique of praying with Johnny. She comes home and she says, Johnny, I need you to clean your room. He says, okay. He bounces to his room and does the same thing, begins playing with toys. She goes in there and she puts her arms around Johnny and she's like, let me lead you in prayer. And so Johnny began to thank God for his toys. He began to pray and confess his wrong and his error by not cleaning his room. And she said, so right now, Jesus, right now, Jesus, please come and help Johnny clean his room. Amen. Johnny felt so happy when his mom finished praying that she left him to clean his room and thought, wow, this stuff, you know, really works. Well, she comes back 10 minutes later and his room was still a mess. But there he sat quietly in the middle of his room. He wasn't playing. He was just sitting. And in frustration, his mom says, Johnny, what are you doing? He said, oh, I'm just still sitting here waiting on Jesus to come and help me clean my room like you asked him to do. Now, kids, don't try that at home. If you are over the age of four, don't tell your parents you're waiting on Jesus because it will not end well. But he was thinking as a child. So what I want to do is I want to take this verse 11 out really quick. And just for a moment, I want to put it by itself. And I want to teach it for what it says. And then I promise I'll put it back where it belongs and explain to you why it's there. The first thing he tells us is that when I was a child, I spoke, understood, and thought that way. So if you are a child, be a child. If you are a teenager, be a teenager. Wait on turning 21. Wait to turn 25. My kids often have meetings with me where they declare we are grown and you have to respect us. I said, okay. My daughter sent me and her father a text and said, someone needs to pay for this. It was her plane ticket to fly home for Christmas. I said, well, it ain't got my name on it. And her dad said, and you're grown. (laughs) She said, but mommy, it's hard out here in these streets. You're not in the streets. 
But her point was, it's more difficult than it appears. So young people, slow down. Enjoy your youth. Keep your innocence. Don't jump ahead. I mean, I saw an eight-month-old baby on Instagram with acrylics and weave and lashes. So just slow down. You have all the time in the world to be an adult. But after he says, when I was a child, I thought as a child, he says, now that I'm a man, I'm going to put away childish things. Sorry, mom. I remember this one time when I was a child and my mom was in the kitchen. I asked her for some cake. She said, you can have some, but just not before dinner. She didn't owe me an explanation, but she gave me the explanation. She said, you're going to, y'all know, ruin your appetite and not want dinner. Well, I was thinking, I didn't say it. I was thinking, well, I want my dinner anyway. Like, I hate vegetables, so give me the cake. Like, as a matter of fact, I hope it ruins my appetite for the pain of eating that grass. So I had huge cheeks and I put on this like, oh, I was really trying to get that one tear to drop. It would never come out. But I was like, please, mommy. She said, I said, no, it's going to ruin your appetite. But after you eat dinner, then you can have some. Now, as a child, that hurt me. Vegetables aren't sweet. I have seen cows eating greenery, something very similar to what you're going to put on my plate. I can't believe my mom doesn't love me enough to give me one little piece. I mean, what kind of parent would subject their child to vegetables when there's a cake already prepared? That's going to taste way better. Now, it's possible that I stomped away in anger. I think I was walking away loudly so my mom would know I wasn't standing there anymore. But I think my arms crossed and I was kind of my feelings kind of made her think that. But in the end, I ate my vegetables and she kept her promise. I got the cake, but I got a smaller piece because allegedly I stomped away. But how many times have we forfeited our entire blessing because we didn't know how to humble ourselves during the wait? I mean, just imagine how big that piece of cake would have been had I been nice during the wait. And now that I'm older, I understand her delay was not a deny. I understand now that she knew the nutrients in the vegetables were better for me than the processed sugar in the cake and that the vegetables would help me grow up and not out. That the vegetables would produce more days of good health than sickness. That the vegetables would give me a sustained energy instead of a quick fix. And I realized that the no was not only for my good, but it was in fact a demonstration of her love and her desire to give me what was best for me. I realized that in this life, I might have to go through things that aren't so sweet to my taste that are good for me. As babes in Christ, as new Christians, we want the promises first. We want the cake first. We want the blessings right now. We want to be like King David. We want to be elevated like the three Hebrew boys. We want the chains to be broken like Paul and Silas. We just don't want to fight the giant or go through the fiery furnace or be persecuted. We don't want to eat our vegetables. We just want the dessert. And we stomp off childishly in this displaying to the world something other than the goodness of our father. We walk around complaining about what we don't have and what we're going through as though we're not even his kids. Imagine if we ate our spiritual vegetables and responded with hope and trust that God loves us enough to keep his promise. When I was a child in my faith, that's what I wanted. I wanted David's anointing and his elevation, but I didn't want the giants or a king chasing me. See, David was chosen, and that's what we run around saying. I'm chosen of the Lord. We wear the T-shirt. We say the favor of God is upon me. Well, how would you know that? 
How do you know you have the favor of God except you face a trial that only God can get you out of? Except that you have a broken heart or a past due bill. Except that you be mistreated and cheated out of something. Except that you have to deal with a difficult relative. Except that you have to sit alone sometimes just trying to understand what's next. What am I doing? Does anybody understand me? Am I making the right choice? Except that these giants present themselves to battle you. Do you find out that you have the favor of God? And David did not confront God and cry and say, do you see Goliath, Lord? No. He said to his enemy, Goliath, do you not see my God? Do you not know that you're not fighting me? Have you not heard about the God that I serve? Now that's maturity in Christ. That's the understanding of the importance of eating your vegetables. David's dessert, his cake, his promise was that he would be king and that God would be with him all the days of his life. The vegetables were everything else he had to endure to get there. As I continue to mature in Christ, as I continue to grow up in Christ, I understand more and more what James was saying in chapter one, when he says, count it all joy when you fall into various trials and temptations because your faith is being worked. You know, when you eat vegetables and work out and exercise your physical body, you get stronger. You have more endurance. You can think better. You can reason better. Your faith is the same way. The more you rely on God. and love, the more glory he gets out of your life and the more he wants to do through you. I ask, why in the world do you want to put on the whole armor of God and don't want battles? What do you look like sitting around in full metal armor, helmet, shield, belt, breastplate, all up in the Iron Man suit? But every time it's time to fight, we're asking, why me, Lord? Well, maybe it's because you're clanking around down here in armor talking about send me I'll go I'm on the battlefield for my Lord and yet you're acting like a child pretending to be in a sword fight we're doing everything except loving we're doing everything except believing we're doing everything except trusting everything except praying we're talking to everybody else except the Lord Some of us know the power of God. We know he's a promise keeper, but we're still crying and stomping off because God has instructed us to eat our vegetables first. We're still acting like babes in Christ. We're still teaching Jesus died and rose again. Yes, he did, because it's the basis of our hope and trust and faith in God. But y'all, there's much more to that. We're scared to teach the truth about living a holy life because it's not popular, because we're going to lose friends if we don't compromise and accept sin. We will gain enemies, but that's what Jesus told us. He said, the world is going to hate you because it hated me first. We want to side with people that make our bad choices and unholy life feel better. The word warns that false teachers will flourish and that we will not want to hear the truth anymore. We will eat and consume things that are not good for us, leaving very little room for our vegetables, leaving very little room for the nutrients, which is the word of God. Now, when taken at face value, verse 11 conflicts with the words of Jesus in Matthew 18. See, when in describing the greatest in heaven, Jesus said, well, except you become like little children, you cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. 
well, that bothered me. I'm like, wait, what? (laughs) Here, Jesus is saying, become like little children. And Paul is saying, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. But thank God for Jesus, because he went on to explain and said, I'm talking about the innocence and the humility of a child. A child's humility is maturity in that a child knows that they are dependent on their parents. A child fully understands to run to their parents when they are hurt or are in trouble. They understand they cannot go at it alone. They understand their need for food and shelter and clothing comes from their parents. They know their parents love them and reward them with good gifts. Listen, think about it. Children do not worry about what they will eat or drink or what they will wear. That's why Jesus was asking us to be like a child in that we know we are dependent on God, that we need him for our food, clothes, and shelter. We need him to wake us up in the morning and to keep us in our right mind, to know wholeheartedly that he wants the best for us and that he gives us good gifts. He wants us to know that he chastises those whom he loves, who are his children. And so he doesn't want us to worry. That's why in Luke 12, it says, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will wear. He says, aren't you more valuable to me than the birds that I take care of? He says, what can you add to your life? How much time can you add to your life by worrying? And he says, and since you cannot add to your life, don't do it. When I was a child, I thought like a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. We ought to be like a child when it comes to humility, because if for no other reason, your behavior tells the world whether or not you have a good father. And God is a good, good father. But if you've been in the word, it's time to grow up and to speak the truth, even if it brings about persecution from your friends who may not be in Christ yet. But when I put this verse 11 back where it belongs, seated in chapter 13, after it declares that nothing is valuable if it's not anchored in love, after it eloquently and plainly defines finds real love. After it says that prophecies, knowledge, and speaking in different tongues will pass away and that love never fails, Paul says, when I was a child, I thought that way. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Paul was saying, just as children don't know everything, we don't know everything yet either. Our best knowledge and our greatest abilities are only a portion. They're only a part of the whole truth while we're on earth and that the whole truth will be revealed to us when he returns. We are currently in a childlike state in our knowledge of God. But when he returns for us, we will become fully mature like a man and we will put away childish things and that will no longer have a need for speaking in tongues or prophesying because we will be there with God face to face. Paul was using this verse 11 analogy to show us the difference in our knowledge here on earth and our knowledge in the future in heaven when we will someday enter into all mysteries. So eat your vegetables. Go through difficulty with love, with an expectation of his faithfulness. Stay in your word. Spend time in prayer with God. And then you will taste and see that the Lord actually is good, not just to you, but for you. And the more you do it, say, I actually love vegetables now. The more you do it, Psalm says his word is sweeter than honey from a honeycomb. So today, decide today. Forget about yesterday. Make a decision today to live a holy, mature life in Christ. Trust God enough to endure the vegetables, to get to his promises, his dessert. Let us pray. 
Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you right now just saying thank you. Thank you for being our father. Thank you for being such a good parent to us. Thank you for being patient with us and instructing your Holy Spirit to teach us all things. We thank you because you are good and you demonstrate your love for us in all things. We thank you for the difficult times because they bring you glory. Please continue to use us for your glory so that others may come into the knowledge of who you are. We ask this and all other blessings in your precious son, Jesus name. Amen. So I want to encourage you today when you go home. And you think about getting a hamburger and french fries. (laughs) Those fries don't count as vegetables. (laughs) Get you some real vegetables and remember that it's good for you, just like the Lord is. Thank you all so much. Amen. We thank Reverend Lee for that awesome message Just remind us, oh, no matter how old we are, to eat our vegetables. And even right before we got to church, the question that my kids ask is, where are we going to eat after church? And they often do that. So today, kids, I can tell you this is a message. You're all going to get some vegetables today. (laughs) Don't blame me. Blame it on Auntie Lee. That was a right now word. So that's. <laughs> and even as she talked about, you know, when I was a child and over in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and how you're talking and thought as a child, but when you became a man, you put away these childish things. And children, their choices are more limited. And I was listening to an audio book just yesterday, and it was talking about a section on lottery winners. And it was saying how people think that hitting the jackpot is going to solve all of their problems. And they soon realize after they hit the lottery that necessity is straightforward. You know, when it's time to get up in the morning and eat sleepy, out of necessity, you get up and go to work. Out of necessity, you do certain things. You take your children to school. But when they hit this lottery... And they have all of these choices and they don't have to go to work out of necessity. He said that they find out that choices are complex. That necessity is straightforward and simple, but choices are complex. Now they have to figure out what do I do with my life after they go on vacation and after they give people they want money. They come to this place where they don't really know what to do. They don't understand their purpose many times. It's not as simple as they thought it was going to be but when we're children as minister lee talked about our choices are limited you can choose not to do what daddy say but it's going to be a price and after that you said in these choices limited i can either do what he say i get beat it's very simple (laughs) it takes the complexity out of it but when you become an adult you can choose whether to eat your vegetables or just go to the candy store and just load up on chips and candies and drinks pay the consequences. You can choose whether you're going to follow what the Bible says, what church said when you was growing up, or go out and commit all manner of sins. Nobody is tracking what time you come home at night. Nobody's tracking what you're eating. You can choose to take your paycheck and go out and just blow it. 
in the casino or on clothes or whatever you want. It becomes complex and you have to deal with those consequences of those choices. It's not as simple as we think when we're teenagers striving to go out and get our freedom as adults. But as Jesus said, except you be like a little child, until you get back to that place when you remove the complexity and say, not my will, but I'm going to do this simple, straightforward will of my father. Not going to go out and say what I want to say when I get mad. I'm not going to curse like I want to curse and bless out those that I feel like blessing out. But I'm going to turn the other cheek and do as my heavenly father is saying. So this is a message that I think we all need to just meditate on today. And we thank Reverend Lee for just bringing us the revelation of this word today out of 1 Corinthians. Well, with heads bowed at this time, if there's anybody in this place and you've heard the word of the Lord through the messenger of the Lord today and God is just convicting your heart to even to return to that state as a child in innocence. You might have gone out as you got your independent and may have done what you wanted to do and may not have worked out like you thought it would work out but today you just want to return and say daddy I want to return to dependence upon you my heavenly father not do what I want to do but do what you want me to do not do my will but do your will not say what I want to say but say what you've placed it in my heart to say not do what I feel like but do what you You've commanded in your word. Not do my purpose, but do the purpose that you've assigned unto my life. If there's anybody that just wants to trust back on him, that the altar is open for prayer today. And you know, being an adult sometimes is not all it's cracked up to be. We get out and get these bills start coming in and we don't realize And that's how it is, even with sin. Sometimes we'll want to get out of certain restrictions and say, when I get out on my own, I'm going to go out and party with my friends as late as I want. I'm going to do this and do that. But you know, there are consequences for all of that. And even one of my sons that moved out recently, he told me that he said that, If I would have stayed home, he said, I had this investment. And then when I moved out, the bills start coming in and I had to sell the investment in order to pay the bills. He said, if I'd have stayed home about three months longer, I'd have been a millionaire now. <laughs> the investment went through the roof, but I had to sell it because of my independence. And sometimes we want independence from God, but what is it costing us? At what cost are you able to do your own thing? Since Minister Lee brought the word today, I'm going to ask you to come and pray over these today. And then after that, I'll ask Minister Stephanie to close us with benediction. Father, they only came because they trust you. 
They're only standing here because they believe you. Their hands stretch to you like a little child asking you to pick them up, God. They know you to be a good father. The beautiful thing about you, God, is they were forgiven when they stood. They were welcomed back in when they took the first step. You were excited when they made the second step. They were healed when they believed. Right now, God, do a new thing in their lives, God. Show up in the difficult times like you never have before in their lives because they came, God, because they're trusting you. They're believing you, God, not man. They cannot do it alone. They stand here because they acknowledge they are nothing without you. God, and when they fall, I'm asking you, God, to heal them, to pick them back up, to let them know that it is okay, God. They believe that the blood of Jesus is enough, that they don't have to do anything, God, to earn your love or to earn their way into heaven. What Jesus did on the cross is enough. Show them that, God. Reveal it to them, God. And God, there's someone who was afraid. I understand. But they have the courage where they are to call on you, God. And right where they are sitting, God. I don't want to be selfish. I ask that you would do the same thing for them. And then after today, God, give them the courage that they lack. Give them the boldness in you to be able to tell people right from wrong in love. Because it is our desire that no man should perish. We trust you, God. We love you, God. We thank you in advance. In your precious son Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. So as we prepare for the benediction, I told you when I touch and agree with this young lady, things happen. So if you will, please stand. Since I got her here and Pastor James asked me to close out, if you came with somebody, please just touch and agree with them. If you didn't and you feel comfortable touching the shoulder of someone near you because the word of God says where two or three are gathered in his name he is in the midst but also it says in Matthew chapter 18 verse 19 it says when two or three are gathered touching anything he is willing to do it and then first John chapter 5 says we can have confidence in knowing that when we ask anything that is in his will He is faithful to give us what we ask. So I just want to call on his promise right now as we pray. So I'm just touching and agreeing with this young lady, and we know God moves. Yes, he does. So, Father, right now in the name of Jesus, Lord, we first thank you.
We thank you for showing up in your praises. We thank you for being a God that has not forgotten us. Lord, right now, we thank you for the years that we have had of the past. We thank you, Lord, for the day we have today. And Lord, we're looking forward to our beautiful years ahead of us, Lord, all the way up until we see you in glory. But Lord, right now, we just need you, Lord. We need you to be a part of every day, Lord. We thank you for being in our breath. Lord, we pray the breath of life in us, brand new and everlasting. We ask you to allow us to feel your presence more and more, Lord. When we call or even think on you, give us the chill down our spine to know that you are there. Thank you for every angel and legion of angels that you have released on our behalf, Lord, as a result of our request. We thank you, Lord, for keeping our cupboards full. We thank you, Lord, for keeping our bodies healthy. We thank you right now, Lord, for giving us the fruit of our minds, Father. Thank you for every business that is going to come forward. Thank you for every baby that will be born. Father, thank you for every health crisis, Lord, that will be corrected in the name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you that touching and agreeing, we know, Lord, it is your will for us to thrive and flourish in you. So, Lord, we give you praise. We say hallelujah. We say hallelujah because you inhabit these praises. Hallelujah. You're worthy of all the glory, all the praise, not because of anything you do, Lord, but because of who you are. We thank you, Lord, that this relationship we share with you is going to go to another level. Thank you for giving us the faith to see the things we don't see, Lord. Thank you for giving us the hope to move forward in this world. I thank you for this woman that I hold by the left hand, Jesus, and her right. Father, for I know this friendship was made in heaven. And God, I thank you for moving things. Thank you for moving mountains when we pray. So Lord, the mountains and the lives of the individuals under the sound of my voice, I thank you and I see them cast into the sea by the blood of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the praises that are going to go forward. Thank you for the testimonies that will be said. Father, for we know we do everything in the earth so that everyone who sees our good works will glorify you, our Father in heaven. So Lord, we thank you. We say thank you in advance. We say thank you in advance for the jobs. We say thank you in advance for the relationships. We say thank you in advance for the financial freedom. We say thank you in advance for the homes that will be sent. We thank you in advance for the health that will be revived. We thank you in advance for the children that are coming. We thank you in advance for all the great and mighty gifts that you give us because you said in Psalms 34, Lord, that you are the the God that gives us good gifts when we trust in you. So thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father. We thank you for being our God. And it is in the mighty, matchless, majestic, wonderful, sweet, loving name of Jesus that we pray. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Give him glory. Hallelujah. Lord, you're worthy in this place. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You are listening to brothersoftheword.com. This was the message titled, Eat Your Vegetables, by Lee Danley McMutry. This message is number 6586. That's 6586. To listen to thousands of free messages or to send this message number 6586 to a friend, go to brothersoftheword.com.
If this message has been a blessing to you and you would like to help support this ministry, go to IWantToGive.com. That's IWantToGive.com. Listen to BrothersOfTheWord.com often because, brother, you need the word. Brothers of the Word.